This is the end of Titus, and uh, we've been in the book of Titus for now how many weeks? I think this might be seven. Is it seven weeks? Seven weeks, I believe. And so at the beginning, do you remember what we did at the beginning? Read the whole thing, right? I didn't ask anybody to do this this week. Should we put some people on the spot? No, better not, better not, better not. I had other things that I was doing this week, like trying to get us in the building. So how about I read the whole thing? Uh, to you right now, because that's how they would have done it. That's how Titus would have received the letter. That's how the people around him would have uh, got it. They get it all at once, right? And we've broke it down, and we've tried to dissect it, but uh, they, they got it all at once. So let me read it to you. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, say you're there. Perfect. Five of you are there. The other of you that are there, just, just humor us and tell us when you get there, when you're there. Just yell it out as loud as you can when you actually get there. Okay, thank you. All right. Wow. We left the participation at JM, right? All right. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in the common faith, grace and peace from God the Father, and Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound, that's healthy doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Not a glaring endorsement. Don't put that on the billboard of your life. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths or the commands of people who turn away from the truth to the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him with their works. 
They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for every good work. Now, I just want to stop there. That last verse scares me. Even as a believer of Christ, I test myself by that. I do not want to be a false preacher. I do not want to be a false teacher. And you don't want to be a false believer, right? So let's check ourselves, like we talked about earlier. But as for you, teach what accords with sound, healthy doctrine. Older men, you know who you are, are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and in love, and in steadfastness. Older women will not be pointing you out. Likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the young men, if you had any, if you had any inkling that young men only has a short attention span, this will, this will give it away. Likewise, urge the young men to be self-controlled. Got it. All right. Show yourself, Titus, in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants, remember we said that's employees, are to be submissive to their own masters, your employers, in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, that's stealing, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn, beautify the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared. Woo! Bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works." Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them who is them. Come on, church. You got one week, right? You've had a week to think about this, right? What did I say last week? Who is them? Remind them. Come on. Maybe the older men. The older women, the younger men, the younger women, all of them, right? Everybody that's listening now, remind them, all believers who are in your earshot, Titus, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish. We were disobedient. 
We were led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Yuck. Gross. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. What did I say about that last week? I want to preach that every week, right? These things are excellent and profitable for people. How awesome is that? Let's do these things. <laughs> yeah, well, here's where I start. But, these things aren't excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. For they are unprofitable and worthless. The opposite of what we talked about last week. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Did they get baseball, strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out? Right here. I mean, could they possibly? I don't know. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. You don't have to condemn him. He's condemned himself. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best. Underline that if you have a pen. Do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. Now you could go to the back to the maps. It's kind of fun. And you kind of see where he's talking about. And that, that, that's good. You could do that. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best. Underline it again. It's right there. To speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be, what is the word, church? Unfruitful. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, pursuing fruitfulness, not to be unfruitful. We don't want to be unfruitful. We want to be fruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Let me pray. God, make these verses that we have left come alive. Thank you for uh, having Paul, through your Holy Spirit, write to Titus, your servant, and, and for him telling us these key things of how to, uh, a blueprint really, of how to build up the church in love. Thank you, God, for a blueprint called the book of Titus which shows us how to, uh, it's instructions for building up the church. And God, we want this church right here, Lift Church, to be strong, 
We want its bonds to be, be tight-knit. We, we want it, no one to be able to come in and, and say this or that and divide us. We want to be strong in your word and in your spirit. We pray these things that you will help us be fruitful and not unfruitful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the title of the message tonight is Pursue Fruitfulness, right? Because nobody wants to be negative and say, let's not talk about unfruitfulness, right? So pursue fruitfulness. We want to be fruitful. We want to be useful, all right? In order to do that now, um, let me define for you unfruitful. Unfruitful is not productive, not producing fruit or crops. Fruit or fruitful used in Scripture 265 times. First, uh, Colossians 1.10 says, bearing fruit in every good work. John 15 says, Jesus, talking, right, said, bear fruit. And then he said, what? Bear more fruit. And then he said, what? Bear much fruit, <laughs> you know? So Jesus is about the fruit. Verse 80 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That's Jesus. That's the one, our king, the one we follow, our master, the one we're going after. He's like, this is it. So we're on topic tonight. When we talk about fruitfulness, this is something Jesus is excited about, ramped up about. He wants this to happen in your life. In Matthew 7, 15 through 20, he says, Beware. You will know them by their fruits. You can also write down uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 20, the sower and the seed. Okay? So Jesus gives us a ton of examples of what it's like to bear fruit, and he wants us to do that. So, fruit and fruitfulness is important. Can we agree? Everybody agreed? Being fruitful in the name of Jesus Christ, really, really important. And we are expected, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to bear fruit. That's an expectation. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll read it again. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is how we prove that we're really who we say we are. So I'm going to give you four principles to live by as you pursue fruitfulness, okay? Four principles. Again, if you don't have pad and paper because of COVID or whatnot, you can, you can find it there on the, on the church app, okay? Liftchurch.info will get you there. Um, and if you're watching online, I encourage you to go do that or take a notes in your, in your folder. Okay, four principles to live by as you pursue fruitfulness. Okay, the first one you're going to find in verse 9. Let's read verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies, avoid genealogies, avoid dissensions, avoid quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Here's the first principle. Avoid time wasters. I don't know about you, but this is not the right time to tell somebody you shouldn't be wasting your time, right? Because everybody's doing it. I mean, if, you, if you're like, no, I don't waste any time, uh, you are fooling yourself. We have so many time wasters in our life right now, it is crazy. This phone right here is an utter waste of time. It can be really profitable, don't get me wrong. 
I took Facebook off my phone about a week ago, and uh, no, two weeks ago, and, and it was like so refreshing. I could actually go to the bathroom and not scroll through Facebook. I didn't know what to do. I was like, what do I do? Read a good book? Do something that isn't a waste of time? Sorry. I'm talking about my going to bathroom <laughs> in church. It's just, it's just the truth. This is just the truth, all right? Sorry. Sorry to bring you there. But here's the thing. Because we switched from building to building, and I felt like I had to communicate to everybody, I put Facebook back on my phone. Guess what happened to me this week? I wasted hours of time. I wasted two hours of time looking at something that I needed not look at, right? was like some, oh, man. It was an article about James McDonald and some blah, 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 blah. I'm like, can we be done already? That was so two years ago. But, because I once followed, because I once, you know, cared so much, I thought, I better know. And then it sucks you into two hours of reading blog after blog after blog after blog, and pretty soon you're like, you know? Who cares? It's a time waster. And then there was something on Facebook that wasn't wasting time, right? Because I don't want to beat Facebook up, right? Charlie wrote or uh, posted a nice article the other day about something in the presidential election, and I went and listened to it, and it was very informative. It was two hours as well, but I don't consider it a waste of time because I'm informed. It was news, finally, <laughs> right? Finally, some news. And uh, it, was, it was good. So I don't want to beat up any one medium, right? Like Facebook isn't inherently bad. What's wrong? It's me. It's you. We're the ones that get to make decisions moment by moment. God's given us the intellect to make a decision. Is this profitable or not? I had a check in my spirit halfway through the James McDonald blogs of like, what are you doing? My wife asked me, like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm trying to just understand like, what's going on. But if you feel that check in your spirit, like this isn't, this isn't worth your time. This isn't what I want you to do. Then pull back and just obey God and be like, yeah, I don't need to do this. Avoid time wasters. It gives you four to avoid. Do you see them there? You see it right in the scripture. You can just write one, two, three, four by it. I have it written in my Bible. One, foolish con controversies. What is that? Moronic, it's the, really the Greek word, moronic disputes or debates based on human reason and imagination rather than God or his words. Crazy, huh? It's hobby horses. It's Bible versions. Which one? Who cares? Is it a legitimate translation? All right, let's read. You know? Like, I just, I just, I have no time for all this prattle back and forth. And then two, genealogies. <laughs> Paul, I got to interpret this for you, because Paul's not against genealogies, or he's against the Bible. Okay, are we clear? The Old Testament had tons of genealogies. The New Testament starts with a genealogy. He's not against genealogies. Everybody say he's not against it. Paul's not against genealogies. But what he's against is 
you taking your genealogy and going, well, I'm here and you're here. And we'll, oh, no, 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 you look at it. No, no, you just, just make, don't make note of where I am and where you are, okay? And you just, well, I'm going to prove to you I'm better than you. I have more credentials. I have more stuff. So there's a thing you can do with genealogies that isn't good. And so he's against that, okay? The strife that that cost, uh, causes, the self-centeredness, the rivalry, the contentions, and that leads into our next one, which is divisions, or dissensions, sorry, dissensions is the word there. Here's the best way I can say it. You ever listen to sports radio? You ever listen to radio at all in the afternoon or morning or any radio at all? Like any talk show? Like, give me gravy. Jim Rome, I used to love that. That was awesome. Rush Limbaugh, oh, my mom's going to die right now on the spot. But like, come on! All we're going to do is pick, 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 pick a fight. And it's like, can we stop? And that stuff just sucks me in because I'm curious. Really, I'm curious. I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're saying. And I wonder if that's right. And I just, I just wonder some more. And let me go look and let me listen. And oh, man, then you, oh, you waste your time. All right. This last one, quarrels about the law. Is the law important? I'm going to wait for an answer. Church, is the law important? Half of your Bible, over half of your Bible, is written and based on a law. <laughs> we have laws in our country. They're important, okay? It's, it's, not, it's not the law. Why do we have the law? The law points out that I'm not good enough. The law shows me that I'm not going to make it to heaven on my own. I fall short of the law. I don't add up. Here's the law of God. Here's Steve Diedrich. You just fall on your face before that. And it's just to show us that we don't make it, the cut. And then what came was Jesus, right? You get Jesus to fulfill the law. So stop trying to fulfill the law. Now, you can do good things. You can follow in Jesus' footsteps and love one another, love God and one another, right? Great, yes. But let's not fight about the law. And that's what they were doing. They were quarreling. Um, do you remember one quarrel was settled in Jerusalem? Remember that? Acts 15. Oh, should we circumcise people or not? Well, they're Christians, but I don't, I don't know. Like, they're not Jews. This, we're not under the law. Read Galatians. Guilt-free Christianity. So... I kind of, when people start throwing rules around, I'm like, get away from me. I'm not that guy. I don't want, I mean, I like following rules. Don't get me wrong. But like when somebody's adding things to the Bible, I'm out. I'm out. So, and I hope that you'll be out too on, on quarrels about the law, okay? Arguing about theology, doctrine, all these different things that, are an utter waste of time. Just read God's word, do what it says, be fruitful, not unfruitful. These things are worthless. So I've prattled on about all of these things to avoid. Can I just get from the audience a few time wasters? Because I wrote down a list of eight. 
But rather than me making up the message at this point, I would just love to hear, because I might need to add to my list of things to be aware of, what are some things that you find to be utterly a waste of time? Go ahead. I'll repeat them so that people online can hear. What's that? TV. On my list. Number one. Ding, 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 ding. Are we on like Family Feud? What else? Video games, yes. Definitely on the list, along with board games, because I don't play video games, I play board games, which sometimes are an utter waste of time. Fantasy anything, right? I just stepped on a bunch of guys' toes. Fantasy anything. Just, I'm just going to leave it there. What else? What's that? Worry. Worry, yes, that's great. Worry is an utter waste of time. We are in God's hand. That is great. I do not have that on my list, and that should definitely be number one. Good. What else? Online shop. You know what I have down? Shopping without need. When you need something, go to the store and buy a pair of jeans if you need. I'm in, I'm out. I'm not a window shopper, although if I... Okay, my wife's going to say you're a liar. Okay, so... If I go to a store, I'm buying lots of stuff, which is why I don't go to a store, because I think everything's cool. I go to the store when I need something. I walk to where I need that thing. I buy it, try on 20 pairs, and get the right one, and then I walk out. Maybe buy a shirt, too. Okay, all right. That's it. So shopping without need. Okay. No, I don't need any shoes. One last one. Anybody got something? Social media in general is a waste of time. How about you spend more time with the people that are close to you face to face? How about you have a deep, meaningful conversation with them? Except for your fake friends, right? Now, it's fun. You got somebody that lives in Michigan. You don't get to see them, but like you can pick up the phone. You can FaceTime them now. You don't have to put it out to the whole world. Okay, what's the point? If you want to have a principle to live by that's going to help you pursue fruitfulness, not unfruitfulness, avoid time wasters, okay? If you apply that to your life, you're going to get a good five to eight hours this week back. And if you spend any of that time with the Lord, it'll be a huge win. If you spend that time on your knees in prayer, you might just bring revival to this church, all right? Like, that's, that's what we're talking about. That's how intense this is. That's how urgent this is. That's how important this is, okay? So let's just not, like, push it aside, like, yeah, it was fun, but no, this is important. I've spent a lot of time on it. Let's go to point two. Point two, avoid, no, not avoid, reject. I really labor over what to say. Do I say warn? Do I say ignore? Do I say rebuke? He's already said that in chapter one. Rebuke them. Rebuke them sharply. You know what he says? He says reject them. Right here. Refuse to listen to those who are being divisive. Church, this is a good message for us. And I don't want to get into the pain of the past. I just do not want to go back there. 
But we can't forget this lesson. This lesson has to go with us. You have to learn these phrases. Maybe write them down. I didn't put them in your notes. I don't have ears for that. I don't have ears for that. I can't listen to that. Here's another one. Please don't talk about my friend that way. My pastor that way. My small group leader that way. My mom that way. Don't talk about people I love that way. And then this one probably should be the first one out of your mouth. Have you talked to that person about that? Oh, I'm scared. That'll come back. Or, oh, I tried. Well, I would love to go with you. When could we set up a time to go talk with them? Because that's just not who I know them to be. I know that they will, you know, I have a good feeling that they are going to make a different choice if, if we go together. Here's the word. The word is uh, literally heretic, okay? A person who stirs up division, okay? As for a person who stirs up division, the word is heretic. As for a heretic, remember the whole book is like about false teaching, right? It's like false teaching, false teaching. This heretic that's stirring the pot, all right? Like, warn them, warn them again, and then don't have anything to do with them. All right, now, this is the first time I've ever brought a commentary, I believe, to church. But I'm just telling you, I read this earlier today, and when I read it, I was like, everybody's got to hear this. But there is another kind of person, another kind of a problem person. Okay, so he's talking about problem people. This is Warren Wearsby, uh, the a Bible exp, uh, exposition commentary. This is a great commentary. Everybody should have one, actually, because it just, it's so good. But there is another kind of problem person we should deal with, the heretic. This word means one who makes a choice, a person who causes division. This is a self-willed person who thinks he is right and who goes from person to person in the church forcing people to make a choice. Are you with me or for the pastor? This is the work of the flesh. See Galatians 5.20. Such a person should be admonished, that's warned, sternly, rebuked, at least twice, and then rejected. Now, I want to be fair, because sometimes when I'm, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about like, strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out, right? Now, could we get a broader thinking? Let's say somebody does this, blows up the church, gossip, slander, blah, 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 they leave. Let's say there's repentance and they come back. Isn't that what Christ is about? He's about reconciliation, right? Let's say they come back. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome them with How do we welcome people? Romans 5, 7. Welcome people as Christ has welcomed you. How did Christ welcome you? Like this. We welcome them back. I mean, if they're repentant, right? I mean, it's like there's no reconciliation without repentance. You know that, right? From 2 Corinthians chapter 5. How did you gain standing with Christ? By repentance, right? He did it all. Then you repented. And, oh, now we're reconciled, right? He already did his half. Your half is repentance or you're less than 1%, right? So here's the deal. If they come back, if somebody comes back, you welcome them back, Right? 
If repentant, restored, renewed, reconciled, good. What happens if they do it again? Same thing. Warn, admonish. Let's say they come back. Bam! It's called the church carousel. Boop, 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 boop. Didn't like what I saw. They wouldn't let me stir the pot there. Come back. All right. We love you. You know? Second time. Leaves, right? Warn them. On the third go-round, ain't coming back. That's what the Bible's teaching. Okay? It's not teaching that we like cast people out left and right, don't give them a second chance, there's no reconciliation. That's not what it's teaching. It's teaching that we should show love, show care, reconcile when repentance is there on both sides, right? Because we're not Jesus. We're not perfect. Repentance has to come on both sides. Okay? And so that's what we're really talking about. How do you handle divisive people? You warn them once. You warn them twice. You can go to Galatians 5. It's great preaching, teaching on the, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, you could start in verse, you know, I don't know, 16, we'll say. 16 to 24. And um, but warn them once, warn them twice, and then reject them. Silence them in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 11. Rebuke them sharply in chapter 1, verse 13. Now it says, ignore them, leave them alone. And why does it say that? Always for restoration. And at the third time, it's like, hey, leave them alone. Now, why do you do that? Okay, keep reading. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, here's why. Verse 11, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and is self-condemned. You don't have to try to warn them anymore. You don't have to try to, you know, bend their will to God's will anymore. You can just let them go and you can ignore them. Okay. Can I ask a question? Are we listening to divisive people? I mean, that kind of pierces my heart a little bit. I was in a conversation on Thursday with another pastor. Um, some things got brought up. A person that used to go to our church, he kind of went into a little like negativity. I kind of got a little uncomfortable. Well, that person did that at our church. I'm like, I'm not okay with this. I don't want to be here right now. How do you handle that? Are you going to listen? Are you going to compliment that person? Are you going to say, well, that person, they were great when they were at our church. They, they, they were healthy. I, I, didn't, I didn't see any of the things you're talking about. That's the road I took. Like, great. I mean, no problem ever. They just chose to leave. I don't know why. But they're good. They're godly. We didn't experience any of that at our church. Praise the Lord. So, Reject divisive people. Be careful of this one. Let's not listen. Let's not harbor. It's hard to do. It takes a little spine, a little backboard. Okay, backbone. Like, don't be a, like a passive aggressive. Don't be a Minnesota nice. There's a problem in our, our town. 
Satan needs to take, you know, God needs to take Satan on right here in our town. This one thing right here. It's a lot of passive-aggressive, a lot of Minnesota nice. And if you sit there and listen, you're agreeing. You know, you can be gentle and nice, but you have to disagree with somebody running somebody down. Okay? All right. More positive. Are we ready? Two left. Got to be done. Here we go. Number three. When I send Artemis or Tychicus, who do you think he's, let's flip a coin. I don't know. Who, who, who came? I don't know. Tychicus did take the letter to Ephesus and to Colossae and to Philemon. So maybe it's him. I don't know. Maybe Artemis is a new, like, uh, new guy. When I send one of these guys to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Here's the thing. Titus has a big job to do. He's left there to do it. And now he's on a timetable. Hey, I'm going to send somebody. you got to get this job done because you know what? When they come, I need you in Nicopolis because we're going to make plans for the next season. We're going to go tell people about Jesus. We're going to get churches right. We're going to be healthy. I don't know about you, but I put myself in Titus' shoes. I'm feeling the pressure. You're sending somebody to replace me? You gave me this job and this place? Oh my goodness. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Sometimes I feel like that right now. Really? Right now? This is what I got? This is what we're going to deal with? This is where we're going to go? Do your best. That's all God asks of you. He says it twice here. He says it again. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos. They're the, probably the ones carrying the letter to Titus on their way. Where are they going? Well, I'm thinking Apollos is in trouble. <laughs> I don't know. He just carries a lawyer around with him just in case he gets thrown into jail. I don't know. Something's going down. <laughs> like Apollos is pretty bold. He's a great preacher. He needs a lawyer with him because there's a lot of persecution. Speed them on their way. See that they lack nothing. Again, there's an urgency. See that they lack nothing. All right, here's the point. Do your best. It says it twice. Do your best. All I can ask of you, church, is to do your best. If you can come on uh, Saturday night at 5 o'clock, do your best. If you can't, do your best to go online and listen at 10 o'clock on, on Sunday. Do your best to open your Bible in the morning and read it. Do your best to listen to the Holy Spirit tell you how to apply it. Do your best to apply that word to your life today. Do your best to get on your knees and ask God, what do you have for me today? Do your best. When you're at work, we ought to be the best workers. Do our best. Put your hand to it. Here's what I wrote down. Do it right away with speed and urgency. Do it all the way. Work hard at it. Give it all you've got. Do it to help others, okay? This is about people and relationships. We're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing it to help other people. Do it for the Lord, for His glory. Write down Colossians 3, 17 and 23. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily with all your heart as unto the Lord, okay? Do it for the Lord. 
and do it in the church. Think of the context of the book. He's talking to a pastor of a church who's setting elders in it. He's going, do it. Do your best. Where? Where? Tell me where, Paul. In the church. Right? Do your best. Do it in the church. That's the context. All right. Do it right away. Do it all the way. Do it to help others. Do it for the Lord. And do it in the church. All right. This last thing. Practice good works. See it there in verse 14. And let our people learn. Man, we've done a lot of learning in the book of Titus, haven't we? Let our people learn to devote themselves. That's a strong, urgent word. Devote. Be devoted. Every time I see this word, I think of this. You ever been at a... No. Football games. Nobody goes anymore. Okay, so... You ever remember way back when people could actually go to football games? Some guy would hold up a big D, and then the next guy would hold up a like white picket fence, and they would do the cheer. What was it? Oh, that's weak. Okay, all right. You, you, this I was gonna see if you could get it. You guys are D. You guys are fence. You guys got it. I don't got any signs. I'm just gonna point right. And they would be devoted, right? Devoted, devoted, right? It's like defense. That's what I think of when I see the word devoted. I think I heard that illustration somewhere. I'm like, devoted, devoted. That's what I think of. It's like a cheer. It's like a chant. Let's go. It's a rah, rah. Be devoted. Devote themselves to good works. So as to help cases of urgent need. There it is again. It's like this is a big deal. Short book, quick hitter, urgent needs. Let's go. Get it done. Need you back. And not be unfruitful. That's what Jesus wants. He doesn't want you to be unfruitful. He doesn't want you to waste time. He doesn't want you to hang around with divisive people or be divisive in the church. He wants you to unify. He just wants you to do your best. He's not asking for some kind of like legalistic standard. Just do your best with what you have. And then he's saying, practice good works. Practice these things. And he's used the word good works in chapter 1, verse 16, in chapter 2, verse 7, in chapter 2, verse 14, in chapter 3, verse 1, in chapter 3, verse 8, and now here in chapter 3, verse 14. Do you think good works matter? That's one, two, three, four, five, six times there's emphasis and priority on doing good works in this book. All right, I'm going to end with this statement right here. I'll put it on the board. These are principles to live by. And with every one of them, whether it's avoid time wasters, okay, with a right now urgency, cultivating deep, meaningful relationships. Or whether it's reject divisive people with a right now urgency, okay? Cultivating deep, meaningful relationships. Or it's do your best, right? That principle. With a right now urgency, cultivating deep, meaningful relationships. And then this last one, practice good works. With a right now urgency, 
cultivating deep, meaningful relationships. That's what he's saying to us, church, and that is our food for this week, and we need to get after these principles because this will help us pursue fruitfulness and not be unfruitful because when Jesus comes back, we all give an account to him for how we've stewarded our gifts, the things he's given so generously to us. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the time we've had here. We thank you for those people that came early and cleaned this place, got it ready. We thank you for the band that has led us in worship. And um, we just, we're so grateful, honestly, for the space. This is just astounding that you let us in here. Thank you, God, for Charlie and their church and, and uh, just the way the church should work together and how they've been generous with us. And I, I pray that you would put a blessing on their church tomorrow. Would you clean this room, God, with your Holy Spirit, honestly? If there's any disease, any sickness in this room at this point, God, protect us all. Only you can do that. Only you can answer that prayer. And we pray it in your mighty name. God, and then above all else, help us to practice the principles that we need to live by, avoiding wasting time, rejecting divisive people, and not being one ourselves. Doing our very best for your name in this church. And then going out and practicing what we preach, the good works that brought us to you, God, let them be found in our lives. We love you. We worship your name. It's a beautiful name. And we want to adorn the gospel with our good works. We want to show everybody around us that you are beautiful. We want this. In Jesus Christ's name we pray it. Amen.